Are you one of the millions of people in this country who have changed their diet by eliminating gluten, the protein found in grains such as wheat, rye, and barley? Are you wondering if you might be gluten sensitive? Or do you have a long undiagnosed digestive issue, which is not celiac? Today we will be speaking with Dr. Samantha Brody, a naturopathic physician and licensed acupuncturist in Portland, Oregon, about gluten, what it is, what a gluten-free diet is, and the implications it could have on a variety of health concerns. Dr. Samantha Brody is a graduate of the National College of Natural Medicine here in Portland, Oregon. She is the founder and owner of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Hillsdale in southwest Portland. Dr. Samantha curates glutenfreeportland.org and is an advocate for gluten-free foodies everywhere. She has been frequently interviewed and quoted as a well-respected resource for numerous publications, such as the Wall Street Journal, Shape Magazine, First for Women, and several local Portland publications. Dr. Samantha, welcome to Health Currents Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is fantastic because we know that this is a big issue out there. I kind of say gluten-free is the flavor of the month. So let's start educating our listeners and really talking about what is gluten and where do we find it? So gluten is, as you mentioned earlier, a protein that's found in wheat, barley, and rye, and in products that are made with wheat, barley, or rye in them. And that's a place where we often find gluten as a surprise. <laughs> as a surprise, but it's something that if we look at people's diets, it's everywhere. A bagel for breakfast, I'll have a sandwich for lunch, or maybe I'll get a muffin, I'll have some pasta. Right. And even in smaller amounts in many, you know, canned tomato soup and soy sauce. And so it is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And it's a very common part of what many Americans consider to be healthy in their diets as well. What do you mean by that? So part for a long time in our um, in a quest for healthier eating in our country, we've had this low fat trend for right. decades right. and the focus on, you know, healthy carbohydrates, which is, you know, for a long time was even considered white pasta. And now we really lean people more toward um, whole grain pastas and breads, but those do have gluten in them. And for people who have gluten sensitivity, those are not healthy foods. So let's talk about that gluten sensitivity. Who essentially should be avoiding gluten and how would they even know to? So the main category of people that we know need to avoid gluten entirely are people with a condition called celiac disease. And that is an auto genetic hereditary autoimmune condition where your body cannot tolerate gluten in any way, shape, or form, period. It actually does damage to the lining of the intestine and can have symptoms that are quite severe. What we are understanding now is that there are categories of other people who also do much better and feel better when they're not eating gluten. And we call that non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And those folks can have the same symptoms as celiac disease, but without the um, specific damage that occurs in the gut lining when people do have celiac disease and without a positive antibody test, which is their bodies aren't actually mounting an immune response, but the symptoms can be identical. Right. So let's go back here. So celiac disease is a very serious disease. Very and serious. Um, we do know that 
a lot of celiac can actually go undiagnosed as well. Is that correct? Yes, the lion's share of celiac disease actually goes undiagnosed. It's of late, one of the good things about it become, being the flavor of the month, being right. gluten-free, is that more people are being tested for celiac disease. More people are advocating for themselves and asking their physicians to test them uh, because they are recognizing the symptoms from something they're reading or something they're seeing. So what are those symptoms in, in celiac? First, let's start with celiac right. I mean, because they're quite severe and they can actually damage in, in your internal organs. So right. let's talk about that. So the, the classic celiac symptom is going to be diarrhea and weight loss. And historically, that would really be the only thing that would drive physicians to test for celiac disease. Um, now we know that there are many, many different symptoms that celiac can cause, including the opposite of diarrhea. People can get severe constipation. Mm things that look like uh, any inflammatory bowel disease or any chronic digestive symptom can be due to celiac disease. It can cause neurological damage. We know that people with celiac disease have a greater risk for certain cancers and a greater risk for heart disease. We see people with celiac disease manifesting uh, mental emotional symptoms, depression, anxiety as well. So you know, it's nary a symptom that people <laughs> can't have with celiac disease. Osteoporosis, uh -huh. uh, it's another serious one, bone loss related to absorption issues. And it, it, can it show up differently with young children? Because that's sometimes where it gets... Yeah, um, you know, GERD, uh, reflux, is a common thing that we see babies with that should be tested for celiac disease. Um, most often they're going to look for genetic, I mean, excuse mm -hmm. me, for uh, gastrointestinal symptoms right. for uh, infants and children. You know, I'm not an expert. I don't work a lot with infants. Right. But with kids, any of the symptoms that adults have can also show up in kids with celiac. And in addition, you know, because of the absorption issues, we can start having attention issues and behavioral issues as well. Right. It's interesting how we see a lot of physical symptoms can show up as behavioral. Sure. Yeah. Right. So that when you change the diet, actually a lot of things can shift, notwithstanding the physical health, but also mental, emotional health. Right, yes. So we've got the celiac, which is quite severe, and you said there's neuro neurological damage that can occur. What, what kind of that There can system? be. So the we see nervous system as in the way that the nervous system in the brain works mm -hmm. as well, but we see people uh, with symptoms of neuropathy, numbness, tingling, mm. nerve pain mm. uh, that can be associated with celiac disease right. as well. But but then we have gluten sensitivity, which is a whole, that's a big spectrum. Yeah. So the the there was recently a large meeting of some of you know, kind of the heads of state of celiac disease yeah. research, and they actually, you know, looking at the spectrum of gluten-related disorders. And so the the they're talking about gluten, uh, non-celiac gluten sensitivity as being a very specific um category of folks. And these people have symptoms that are similar to celiac disease as serious that improves from a gluten-free diet and that isn't diagnosable as celiac disease. I suspect at some point in the future, the whole diagnostic category, all the diagnostic categories for gluten-related uh, disorders is going to change because I, I think there's some there are things we're missing as far as testing goes. Right. So... I know just personally, I stopped doing gluten because on an adrenal stress index, which tests your adrenal cortisol right. levels, I saw I had some, the gliadins were not so well assimilated and met, right. metabolized. So I stopped it. And I think I wasn't having a huge, any kind of big issues, but noticed that 
um, all of a sudden I, I wasn't so stiff and achy. And uh, I would get this kind of weird, strong digestive issue like a few times a year. And then it just went away. So it showed me how you know, subtle it can be in, in its effect on the body and such. In my clinic, I see and I recommend a lot of times to people to stop it. So right. let's talk about that. Yeah. So we can saying. get accustomed to our symptoms and think that it's a normal, you know, especially as we're aging, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, well, I'm just a little achy because I'm in my mid-40s or, you know, but it doesn't, it often is related to a specific thing you're doing or eating or something going on. In particular, gluten is a common uh, instigator of joint pain uh, and digestive issues. But, you know, the uh, I actually think that there's a third category, which they're not really recognizing at this point, which is gluten um, intolerance. So Mm. people who just feel better when they don't eat it, but they don't have such a severe sensitivity that it's going to cause, you know, potentially cause long term damage. At this point, they're recommending that people who have non-celiac gluten sensitivity uh, actually completely remove gluten from their diets as if they have celiac disease, because we don't know the long-term repercussions Mm -hmm. of continuing to eat gluten. So, you know, there are some people who simply just feel better when they don't eat it. So that's a third category that I often will recognize in my clinic and with my patients. So how do people, if people are suspecting that they're either gluten sensitive, gluten intolerant, or possible celiac, what are the, where would they go? How would they get tested? Can they talk to their conventional doctor? Do they do these tests, the conventional docs, or do you talk with a naturopathic physician? Well, I think, you know, the first step is to talk with whoever your physician is that you trust and feel comfortable with. The testing, the gold standard for celiac testing is intestinal biopsy. Usually blood tests will be done first. Mm -hmm. And these days when people come back with a positive blood antibody test, often they will not be sent on to get uh, an intestinal biopsy, they're just told they have celiac disease. It's not actually considered a formal diagnosis when that happens. Oh, really? So, but, you know, most people don't want to have an intestinal biopsy. I can guess why. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so the, the, there's the blood testing, and that's typically what I'll do first. And the medical establishment has a very specific order of testing that they will do. It's you know called a celiac panel. Mm-hmm. And then if that first test comes up negative, they won't continue to do additional antibody testing. I tend to be a little bit more comprehensive in the testing that I do in my practice because I don't want to miss anything. And I think sometimes people come up positive on one test and not another. It might not be the most cost-effective way to handle it. So that's a concern and something that we want to think about. Uh, There's also genetic testing. Uh, There are genes that 95 to 98, I believe is a number, percent of people with celiac disease have. And so if the genetic testing is done and it's negative, it is unlikely that the patient has celiac disease. Now that said, with the non-celiac gluten sensitivity and the recommendation at this juncture that people completely stay away from gluten, I'm not always so sure we really need to have those details for people if they're willing to go off and stay off, period. But if there's any question, we always want to follow up on the testing. And one thing that's really important for people to know is you you must have been eating gluten in order for the test to come back positive. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're considering going off of gluten because you suspect celiac disease, see your doctor right away and have whatever testing is necessary to rule that out before you cut out gluten because it can obscure results. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of testing, what you talked about with the celiac panel, is really different than something a doctor would do called an IgG, IgE, which is a food antibody test, which... 
what do you think? Does that yeah. show like a food allergy testing? Right. Would that show gluten insensitivity or is it? Yeah, so that's a great question. IgE testing is for immediate sensitive, uh, immediate allergy response. Mm-hmm. And people can think they have celiac disease and actually have a wheat allergy as mm-hmm. well. So I often will do those tests as well. The IgG blood testing actually is... There are uh, many people feel uh, different practitioners feel differently about what information we get from those tests. It's a test that a lot of naturopaths and alternative practitioners do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do that test. People come up with foods that they're responding to with an mounting IgG response to. We pull them out and their symptoms get better. Other times it makes no difference at all. So we're st- I'm st- I personally am still a little bit up in the air as to how to right. apply those results. But the Actual celiac antibody testing does include some IgG testing as well as IgA testing. And again, those are different parts of your kinds of immune responses. So if you go to your doc, um, who is, quote, not so sensitive to all of this gluten celiac issue, and you say, right. well, I want to do a celiac panel, and he does it or she does it, and you get this, pa- you know, the first report is negative, but this person is still having symptoms. You know, it's hard to be your own advocate with a doctor, you know, right. especially when you don't know the whole medical field. What do you do next? Well, of course, I'm going to say you go to see a naturopath who has experience working with people with celiac and non-celiac gluten sensitivity right. and gluten avoidance. So that would be, for people in Portland, a really great option given the magnitude of physicians that we have in town who can help with that and who have experience with it. The other thing that you can do is at that point say, you know, get a second opinion from another doctor, right. uh, from another medical doctor or see a gastroenterologist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem is, is that for they, – they tend – when you see a gastroenterologist, if you're not having gastrointestinal symptoms, they're unlikely to test and just as a rule. And uh, you know, I understand that. It's very – you sure. know, the specialist approach in our medical culture is really helpful in getting people – um, who are experts in their field, but what we lose is a little bit of the big picture, right? which is another place a naturopath is going to be helpful. Absolutely. So uh, that kind of answers the question. There's so much gluten sensitivity out there in the culture even that um, it's very popular, that gluten-free diet is very popular. Um, but if someone is off gluten, you know, how strict... Let's say they just say, well, you know, I have these symptoms you've talked about. I want to try an experiment on myself, which isn't going to harm anybody. Right. You know, how strict does that person really have to be? Do they have to go to the store and read the labels? Do they have to? What do they need to do? They say, oh, well, I'll just have, you know, one sandwich a week or I'll just have pasta once a week. You you know, what's the big deal? So if we rule out celiac disease, I mean, that's really the most important thing here. If you have celiac disease, you absolutely are causing damage and increasing your risk of many diseases if you eat gluten, period. Right. So beyond that, I usually, you know, I want to work on that individually with my patients. So I I recently, for instance, had a patient who clearly did better off of gluten and she and her her partner, you know, once a week maybe would have pizza. And I said, you know, she was still having gastrointestinal symptoms. She didn't really think the gluten was having that much of an impact. And I said, you know, I sent her to a gastroenterologist and the gastroenterologist recommended a biopsy. She said, I absolutely don't want to do that. I said, okay, if you're going to choose not to do that, I... You're the boss of you. It's your body. Yeah. Let's go three months, not a bite of gluten, period. And she came in at the end of that three months and said, all of my symptoms are gone. Right. So for her, I say, don't touch it, right? Your mm-hmm. body just told you this is not an okay food to put in it. Right. Right. So right. it really varies. Other people really don't notice much of a difference. But I usually will recommend it 
big chunk of time, three to six months of being off of it completely. You know, my experience, I had been off of wheat for decades because it made me tired. And I tried going off of gluten here and there. It didn't make much of a difference. And then I had a tear in my shoulder socket. And it wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better. So I decided to put myself on an anti-inflammatory diet, which included going off of gluten. Mm-hmm. And it did nothing for my shoulder. But my mood improved profoundly. Mm-hmm. I had had a rough couple of years on the heels of becoming a mom. And everything changed. It changed my life profoundly. And so I had been working with a gluten-free diet with people with depression, but not people with anxiety per se. And now I'm using it, tr- doing a trial of a gluten-free diet for most people with those kinds of issues as well. And if people feel better, I say just stay off it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You know, and then we have to work with people in with their individual needs as far as their social life and their family life and how we find a balance or how to make it possible for them. And, you know, ideally, the whoever you're working with, a naturopath or a nutritionist or your acupuncturist, whoever mm-hmm. is the person assisting you with that, will have the experience and the ability to say, oh, you can try eating this. You can do this. Here's restaurants you can go to. Here's, you know, here are ways to make this work. It's not so hard. Once people realize they feel better and they know how to do it in a way that's not so daunting and difficult for their lifestyle... It's, you know, not that hard. Well, you're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about how to do a gluten-free diet and what to look for and how to do it in a way that really supports your health. So if you're out there and you're saying, oh, you know, I, I feel like I do have some of these symptoms or I have this kind of chronic moodiness and anxiety or achiness or headaches, whatever, I'm going to try a gluten-free diet. You, we're going to speak with you about that. And I so can't wait. People are going to listen in. So, Samantha, tell us um, how people can contact you if they want to find out more because you're the head of glutenfreeportland.org, so you are an expert in this field and you have a lot of resources for people and you teach and you write. And so uh, let people know how they can contact you. Thanks. So on my website is drsamantha.com and I have a lot, most links for what I'm up to these days you can find on that website. My Portland office is healthypdx.com. And I also, as you said, run glutenfreeportland.org, which is a listing that we're in the process of updating of where in Portland, which restaurants in Portland you can get a completely gluten-free meal because the whole restaurant's gluten-free or which places you can make requests, et cetera. And then, you know, restaurant reviews and all of that. And uh, if you go to drsamantha.com forward slash Ellen podcast, uh, you can download my breakfast recipe book. Um, and get some good ideas for cooking healthy, gluten-free breakfasts. Fantastic. So if you've listened to this podcast, you can get a a great free breakfast recipe book that's gluten-free. Thanks so much for being with us, Dr. Samantha Brody, and look forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks. My pleasure. Really appreciate it.